is part four of Novell Open Audio's special on Open Source for America. Hello, this is Aaron Quill with Novell. Today on the line, I have Bill Voss, the president and COO of Sun Microsystems Federal. Bill, good afternoon. Hi, and thanks for having me. We are also joined today with Paul Smith, and Paul Smith is the vice president and general manager of the public sector operations for Red Hat. Paul, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Aaron. With Open Source for America, you're out talking to the U.S. government about using open source. Why open source, and why is this so important right now? I think one thing is that open source has a lot of advantages for the federal government. It offers better security, faster procurement, lower costs overall, and uh, basically investment protection over the long term. And one of the things we're out talking about is that the government shouldn't let open source happen to it because it is happening in the government, that it should uh, manage it and encourage it. And if I can tag on to that, uh, Open Source for America is a industry coalition made of some 50 companies, public-private partnership, academia, and some uh, pundits in the space as well, trying to drive awareness throughout the government on the benefits of open source. We'll talk to that probably a little bit later on in the podcast, but at the bare essence, it's just a different development model from what we're used to. And uh, the whole idea is to develop better products, better technology faster to give the government uh, more agility and cost-effectiveness in deploying solutions across a wide area of uh, usage to the DOD and civilian and intelligence agencies. Yeah, and I think uh, the good thing about Open Source for America is really getting the community process, just like you run an open source community, a community of folks that advocate open source together to have sort of a common voice to policymakers in the federal government to get them to encourage and manage open source correctly and really understand it. I think there's sort of a random communication about open source from technologists to Congress and to leadership in technology areas of the federal government and what needs is sort of a little bit more concise and consistent communication. You mentioned security when you started to talk, and that's really one of the main proof points that people keep on trying to use against open source technologies. So is open source software secure enough for the U.S. government's use? Absolutely. So if you look at the National Security Agency and the, uh, a lot of the other three-letter agencies out there, uh, they've been long-term open source users and advocates, and they care most about security. If you take a look at the latest Department of Homeland Security study on the National Vulnerability Database, open source in general tends to be about seven times more secure than equivalent proprietary products. Part of the reason is, is first of all, things can't be hidden in the code by other organizations because the code's in the public domain. All code is written globally, whether it be you know, a proprietary or an open source product, but by having it be open source, there's no incentive to hide anything in that code when it's written globally. Proprietary code, who knows what's in it because it's not publicly exposed. And that public exposure tends to increase the quality. In addition to that, it tends to increase the robustness of the strength of the security. It's not a silver bullet for security, but generally speaking, it tends to be more secure, and the data on the National Vulnerability Database and other places tend to back that up. If you look at the EL4 Plus certification of general purpose operating systems, the two top ones are both Linux, SE Linux, and uh, Solaris, which are both open source operating systems, have the highest security rating of general purpose operating systems. So to piggyback off of that, the NSA years ago developed a project called SE Linux or Security Enhanced Linux, where the community development model was in full force. 
So here's a very secure government agency saying we need better lockdown policies, more hardened operating environment, and we know what our requirements are. So in that development model, they went in conjunction with Red Hat and others to actually develop the uh, the code to have more Orange Book-like type of uh, policy enforcement into the kernel. That was upstreamed and then worked its way into the uh, the main distribution, which companies like ours and Sun incorporate now and have as a general purpose operating system with evaluated assurance levels at the uh, the highest levels, 4+ across many different types of security credentials, including labeled security protection profile and CAP and roles-based as well. Right. And I think that's one of the exciting things with having the government engaged more in open source is because security is paramount in these days, especially, you know, cybersecurity and things like that, all the, the initiatives around it. And often uh, proprietary vendors, security is not as important as just getting the bottom line done. So security often takes a back seat until there's a big issue. Uh, with open source, the government can actually join the open source community and inject the security that they need, which is often a little bit stronger than what's needed in the general public. And great examples of that are SE Linux and the FMAC project in Solaris, for example. There's equivalent projects ongoing with MySQL, with trusted SOA, with OpenOffice using uh, dynamic redaxing and split key encryption so you can send a multi-level document out amongst coalition partners by GIFCOM and others. Really great examples of where the government's able to join a community and inject really strong security right into the code where it's impossible to do something like that with a proprietary product. So while a lot of people uh, within our community will know that uh, open source software is highly secure, a big role is the uh, Open Source for America is to continue that awareness program. And uh, part of that awareness program across all federal agencies and state and local and education as well is, hey, if it's secure enough for the NSA, it's probably secure enough for your agency as well. And then that just becomes the one checkbox that makes people feel comfortable with deploying high-end solutions on open source type of technologies. And then, of course, you have to be able to check the box in areas of performance, reliability and scalability. And uh, open source software, Red Hat as an example, is one of the most successful pure open source plays, has to answer those types of uh, criteria every single day. Why has the U.S. government been slow to adopt open source technologies compared to some of the other governments, you know, like the U.K., like Netherlands and Brazil, who have really been embracing open source? I think that's one of the reasons that we created the Open Source for America initiative and coalition is because in reality, the U.S. has open source everywhere. I mean, Java is open source, Solaris is open source, Linux, Red Hat is open source, JBoss is open source, Apache is open source. I mean, it, it's everywhere. The issue has been that the government hasn't had an initiative or a policy around driving it. So rather than it being done the right way where it's managed and controlled and, and brought in and advocated uh, and understood, it's being done the wrong way. It's been, been allowed to just randomly grow inherently across the federal government. When you go back to sort of the security discussion, you certainly don't want people randomly downloading code and installing it all over the place, whether it's open source or closed source or proprietary or freeware or things they purchase as well. And I think it's important, there's enough momentum in the federal government amongst the technical community 
that it's time to really put policy behind it and encourage it and manage it properly. And I think that there's been a reluctance to do that because of, I think part of it is a lack of understanding at the policy level. Part of it is not having an organization like Open Source for America that can provide consistent messaging around policy uh, in, in those areas. So I think hopefully we'll be working to enlighten people and get that sort of management in place that needs to be done. And I think uh, to that point, it, what we're going to see is just uh, more adoption of open source technologies because of organizations like uh, OSA. But in fact, and indeed, mission critical systems across the Department of Energy, the FAA with air traffic flow management, the National Weather Service with hurricane tracking, the Census Bureau with our next decennial coming up, DOD with fire control systems on shipboard and logistics systems for the Air Force. All of these uh, areas of our federal government are using open source technologies today for very critical, bet your life, bet your mission type of systems. But in fact, if you take a look at some of the adoption, Linux, as an example, as an operating system, is a fast-growing operating platform. About 15% of the federal government hardware is running on Linux. Red Hat Linux probably the most uh, predominant out there right now and growing. And uh, some of the more proprietary flavors of Unix are uh, actually descending. Gardner actually has a study out there that says that uh, within the next two years, some 25% of all government applications will be open source uh, or contain some open source solutions in the solution set. All these, of course, developed by a community that includes the government end user, partners like Red Hat and Sun, and a host of other interested people in the community. And Novell, of course, as well, along with a whole bunch of others, Apache, OpenOffice. There's just a huge groundswell of people using it on the technical end. I think that it's misunderstood at the management levels and the policy levels, though, and I think that's what we need to work on right now. How has the change in administration changed the adoption of open software in the government? When this administration came into office, one of the first presidential directives that was published talked about a government that was going to be participatory, collaborative, and transparent. And big surprise, that's the underlying tenets to an open source development model, one that is inclusive of a wide variety of folks in a community to develop technologies that meets their needs and not the needs of some company that would be developing something behind their firewall to uh, say, okay, we'll develop this, we'll build this field of dreams, and they will come. Well, it's the customers and the partners that have requirements that are developing to their particular uh, requirements. So we're very excited that we've got a government that's based on those basic tenants. I think one of the big deals that they push at the CIO and CTO level is sort of this idea of open government. And open government requires open formats and open source and all sorts of other types of open technologies that need to be put out there. And I think it's just a wonderful time. You've got a couple of, you know, a CIO and a CTO that actually understand open source and open systems and how to leverage it. I think they're willing to leverage it, whether it's proprietary or whether it's open source. But I think their biggest advantage they've got is by moving in an open environment around open formats and open source to enable the citizenry of the country to participate in their government in a much greater way. If you pick a proprietary solution for participation, you reduce the number of people who can participate. I think also, certainly you look at open source in the healthcare arena, people worry about privacy because they don't know what the code is doing. If the code is open source, they can see what the code is doing. Okay, Bill Vass and Paul Smith, thanks a lot for taking the time to sit down and talk to us today about Open Source for America. Yeah, thank you so much, Aaron.
Been a pleasure, Aaron. Thank you. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International, as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community, so please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one.